This is Not Your Average Musician podcast with me, Isaac Hernandez. I'm here to bring you interviews with some of the baddest musicians around. I want to share with you the lessons that I've learned throughout the years as a musician. Today, I interview my great friend and mentor, Mike Bennett. We met about seven or eight years ago while we were working at a restaurant in Brooklyn, New York. At the time, I wasn't sure what I was going to do or what music or what role music was going to play in my life. And Mike put me on to some of the best music I've ever heard. Honestly, he's helped me become the musician that I am today. Now, I play lead guitar in his band, Mike Bennett and the Soul Glow Orchestra. We bring some power funk and soul to the people. We have an incredible lineup of musicians from different styles and backgrounds. And today we talk about the role that black music and black artists has played in our lives. We talk about what cultural appropriation means in regards to music specifically. And we also talk about what groove is and the role that it plays in the music that we love. So I hope you enjoy the conversation and here it is. Um, I got some, I got some notes, son. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm thoroughly unprepared for our conversation, but <laughs> now you, you just had to be here. That's, that's all. Duh. Our conversations are usually pretty good. I think we've yes. had many a conversation that I would have actually liked to share with uh friends and and students and music yeah folks. And that, yeah that's kind of why i decided to go in a different route with uh with this podcast because it was becoming like basically like audio music lessons you know which is not what i wanted mm-hmm. and i you know i wanted to, i think the audio kind of medium like sets itself up for something a little bit different you know and i wanted to to do that like conversations like these you know Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we can do this more than, more than once. Cause there, there have been many, many, many fruitful. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wanting to do the same. Not that I don't necessarily want to have a podcast, but I've been mm-hmm. you know, just on, on YouTube or whatever, like having these conversations and sharing them there. Yeah. Although people don't do that so much. Podcasts seem to be the way to go for this type of thing, but yeah, well, this one, it's going to go on Spotify and audio version. And I want to do like a video uh, version and put mm-hmm. it up on the channel. And I was thinking of doing that. And uh, with that, the name of the podcast is now uh, not your average musician. So, you know, just going around and like talking to badass musicians and interviewing them <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, like yourself. Yeah, well, I never yes, specified indeed. above or below average, so it's all, it's, I'm, I'm in the clear, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, in that case, we're all in the clear, unless you're very average. And, yeah, right. Um, and there may be some average cats around, but even that's kind of a sliding scale. Well, it's not very uh, quantifiable, right? So, yeah, be, uh, I think for that, for the haters, um, for this, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, man. I ain't um, average. I ain't yeah. average. Maybe well below average, but I ain't average. <laughs> um, cool. So why don't you start with like who you are and like what you do? And then just give us a, a free, a free, a brief uh, kind of intro to kind of set it up. For, for free? You want me for, to just give it away? For free and brief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can Venmo at Mike B NYC. No. Uh, <laughs> I, okay. I am a good friend of you, Isaac Hernandez, and um, your lovely fiance, Jessica. And uh, I am a dude. I suppose all of us wear many hats uh, in various situations. I like to fancy myself a musician. Um, the musical journey has been long and interesting, but I played guitar, I went to music school, I had some great teachers. Uh, my parents were both uh, professional musicians to some degree or another. Uh, my uncle and my cousin and my aunt. So there's a lot of music in my family. So sort of grown up around it. Um, and yeah, it's been a big part of my life forever. I would say in terms of my personality and my, you know, activities, personal, private life, my education, and now thankfully my career, 
music has definitely been at the forefront of all of that stuff. So uh, musically, I'm a guitarist and I'm a songwriter. I've dabbled in a little bit of film scoring here and there. I have a band with a dope lead guitarist in it um, and a bunch of other awesome musicians from in and around New York City most of the time, although we get a little global from time to time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I teach a ton. Um, and that's definitely been a huge part of my professional life for the last uh, five, six years. Uh, before that, too, but it's been pretty intense the last few years. So does that cover the bases? Anything that's else? Perfect. Did I that's miss perfect. anything? I don't think so. No, that's that's great. Yeah. Um, so I guess to, to piggyback off of that, um, let's get, let's go into your like musical influences and slash, you know, musical heroes and what role they play in your life, personally, musically, professionally, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, my, well, I think this is maybe the direction we were hoping to take this conversation anyway. Yeah. Um, and, you know, given the current, uh, climate of, uh, COVID-19 and rampant police violence and the, the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, uh, and amongst many, 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 unfortunately too many others, all the, the protests and, uh, volatile situation, which I think we're all hoping leads to some sort of substantive change for all of us, um, but in the midst of that, you know, we can talk about my heroes and, and it is definitely a, a, a jump off point for that given our current context. But honestly, it's, it's a conversation that I have mostly with myself in my mind, uh, really from even before I was playing, but when I was just growing up, you know, in the 90s, in late 80s, 90s, and uh on hip hop music and, and Michael Jackson and Prince and uh, you know Public Enemy, Tribe Called Quest, the th in the the culture that I was immersed in there and uh, just the it's a conversation, needless to say, that I often want to have and I would like to have many many times with many many people because I think it's uh, an awe inspiring story in general and uh i think it's very relevant i think it's very important um but needless to say <laughs> to get to the point uh the the vast majority if not all really like people i quantify as heroes uh and there are many 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 um but they're almost all if not exclusively uh black musicians and depending on the style of music you're talking about or the instrument you're talking about or the context it could be any number of people uh like i mentioned i was born and bred on on hip-hop of, of all things you know that was sort of the dominant musical force of my childhood uh and folks like you know run dmc and public enemy and a tribe called quest and uh arrested development naughty by nature uh, you know, Tupac and Biggie a little bit later on from that, that was more of my teenage years. Um, humongous, humongous, just sort of sociocultural influence alongside, uh, musicality. And that of course evolves later on into folks like D'Angelo and Jay Dilla and Missy Elliott and Bus Rhymes. And, you know, you get more contemporary folks like Kendrick Lamar and the baby and, you know, the list could go on and on and on. Uh, yeah. uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty impressive and comprehensive. But if you ever listen to the way that I write lyrics, like, you know, I'm not a rapper, I'm never trying to be a rapper, but the way that lyricism is approached and the way that words are put together, um, you can't separate yourself from that. The, the the idea of rap and hip hop and wordplay and internal rhymes and you know stringing phrases together uh, in interesting ways across the beat uh, is super uh, super important to and it's not something I even think about it's something that's like in my bones and in my blood just because that's 
what I've surrounded myself with and what I've felt touched by. And then outside of that, I mean, that's like a very narrow function of music. You know, I grew up uh, studying, listening to and studying a lot of uh, jazz music, you know, that's sort of the predominant style if you're going to go to school for music and you're not studying Mozart and Beethoven. Um, you know, but listening to folks like John Coltrane and Duke Ellington and Miles Davis, uh, Cannonball Adderley, Herbie Hancock, uh, Wayne Shorter. Again, the, the number of practitioners is too big to, uh, to address, you know, collectively. There's too many amazing stories and too many amazing talents. But a couple things strike me about that. There's the the joy and vibrancy and as well as anger and pain and passion uh but the uh, amount of direct emotiveness in jazz music and the jazz legacy um the amount of intellect and sophistication be it rhythmic or harmonic ideas uh the amount of technical prowess and precision you listen to somebody like bud powell you know and that was like almost 100 years ago now and it's like ah jaw dropping it's absolutely awe inspiring and uh and then to think that all of this came up when it did you know in the wake of fairly recently after uh emancipation of of the end of the Civil War, at the end of slavery, and into Jim Crow and and segregation era, and and this sort of really hard. Now, every time in American history has been kind of a really hard, trying time uh, in terms of race and racism in the country. But just to just to think of someone like John Coltrane developing this new voice and this new plane of high art on every level imaginable and really transforming the musical world as we know it in the midst of such minimal opportunity for for people of color black people in particular and racial segregation and uh you know i mean not being not having financial access to uh economic opportunities job wise being in a segregated community and not being able to share your music around. Okay. I mean, Duke Ellington is probably a great practitioner of that because he was on the road, Count Basie. They're on the road constantly and having to go through the South and deal with, you know, not being able to stay at hotel, at, at venues that they were playing because mm-hmm. of the color of their skin. Anyway, I could go on and on, but. All good now, yeah. And it's not, but it's not even just jazz. You know, you look at uh, the, the formations of, rock blues and rock and roll, you know, and you think about people like Chuck Berry and Little Richard, and then in the blues realm, you know, Lightning Hopkins and uh, Muddy Waters and B.B. King, wrestling with the same types of situations and Howlin' Wolf and taking their pain and their struggles and their environment and elevating to this incredibly universal language of music and art that took over the world and then extending those kinds of things, especially I think in the blues and rock tradition, mm-hmm. you expand it to what folks like Elvis were doing mm-hmm. and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and, you know, all the British invasion bands and how the music was essentially ripped off and commercialized for tremendous profits by white faces, uh, but the stamp of the black cultural tradition is so profound, it's so consistently good, and to think about what was had to overcome, both individually and collectively, for all of these, uh, all of the, the folks that I mentioned and so many more, it's just, it's mind boggling, you know, and then we get into my favorite stuff, the soul and R&B things. And you get someone like, you know, probably my biggest musical hero being Stevie Wonder. And, and, and you find this, this glorious amalgam of all the 
things, you know, the joy, the pain, these intensely uh, groovy uh, sort of sort of funk driven tunes that some of which are just for fun. You know, there's a lighthearted. Some are, are, you know, Black Man is one of my favorite songs ever. And, you know, it has this incredible uh, political statement and unifying thematics to it, you know, and, and then you have these incredibly like overjoyed and if it's magic, why can't it be everlasting? And, you know, the most incredibly touching ballads, just the entire range of human emotion with incredible chops with the playing, incredible vocalizations, incredible musicians in the studio, incredible producers, uh, a creative autonomy that is, and a creative voice that is just totally indistinguishable. And then from a musical sense, just the, the sophistication of the ideas and the, the ability to take these rather complex chord progressions or, you know, harmonic, melodic uh, cloth, you know, the way that it's stitched together to be able to have music of such a high intellectual depth be presented in a way that people are still grooving to it on the dance floor, you know, uh, it's just, it's like perfect songwriting in, in uh, emotional, emotionally, technically, uh, recording wise, you know, breaking boundaries in terms of the use of synthesizers and technology. Uh, so, so yeah, anyway, I could go on and on, uh, and hopefully I'm not being too long winded. But Stevie's the king. Stevie's the king. And I'm so grateful that he's still with us because we lost so many of the greats. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And it's something I've been thinking about lately because it's, it, it's so hard to ignore. And, I, and I've been thinking about, you know, how like, you remember when we met and I was like completely obsessed with blues music you know yeah. and I think yeah. about all those early like influences for me and you know guys like you said like Howling Wolf, Muddy Waters, Chuck Berry like that's that's who I was trying to sound like you know and that's who mm -hmm. and I think about like the voice that I have today is was found in that tradition you know and I think it not that I forgot I just hadn't thought about it in a while you know because that you know you moved on and I think not moved on but like you opened up my ears to so much music so much that was out there and I remember when you started playing like uh jazz records for me you know and that that mm -hmm. kind of thing or you started playing like R&B and mm -hmm. funk you know and, and that it was Herbie just, man that cool oh in the gang yeah <laughs> oh man it was nuts I'd never heard anything like it you know and and it was it was it was incredible and I I remember a conversation we had many many years ago and it was about we were talking about jazz and i remember you said you know that like, there was so much pain in that music you know and I, like i didn't really like understand you know what that meant like how can you be hearing pain in jazz music you know but it was like thinking about the context and you know someone like like miles davis you know and like that story about how he got like beat up by cops outside of uh of the venue that he was headlining, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, something, man. something like that, or that's some crazy shit to have to deal with. I mean, when you're just trying to share your art and do your job, it's and, and not even that. At the time, he was like the gr one of one, if not the greatest. Yeah. You know, at that yeah. at that point in time. I mean, obviously now, but at that time, he was like he was hot. You know, it was. Yeah, he was. He was absolutely the number one guy, at least in his field, if not in all of music in that yeah. moment for sure yeah and to to deal with that you know it's, it's you can't i can't think of anybody else that has had to deal with that and that's in that same situation you know that wasn't um of color or black you know what i mean yeah it's some bullshit man <laughs> yeah it's, 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 <laughs> i least. mean just you think about it it's so it, it's it's so ridiculous um but yeah and you know i really I don't know. I, I go to a wonderful church in Brooklyn. Uh, it's not exclusively black church because me and Akos plays bass there too. When he's allowed in the country, he's got some visa issues lately, which is some other bullshit, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah. But, you know, predominantly black church. And I, I learn so much about 
the culture and the tradition and the music mm. just from being there and being amongst uh, that group of people, that group of my friends and, and playing with the musicians that we have and just seeing the, the way that ideas flow. And, you know, that's a very contemporary, you know, that gospel thing is like the gospel scene is like a huge influence on pop production and especially like the snarky puppyish jazz fusion stuff that's like very hot for us dorky instrumental players and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I'm just constantly in awe and I'm so grateful and I really try and make it a point to not forget it for any moment, uh, the debt that we all owe, you mm. know, and I don't even think it matters whether you play music or not. I don't think it matters what type of music you listen to because the stamp of the musical and cultural tradition is so strong. If you're bugging out to some Taylor Swift mm -hmm. or, or Tim McGraw or whatever you're listening to, you're still listening to black music. Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, and then when it comes to just the practitioners of, of, you know, R and B and funk and jazz styles that that i am particularly personally drawn to uh and obviously we're in a global society and there's great players from all different races and all different backgrounds mm -hmm. but i don't think there can ever be a question of where it came from mm -hmm. and being in a constant state of debt and gratitude for all of that you know and think about the things that we're able to listen to now man we can listen to anything we want mm -hmm. at the click of a mouse pad or the touch of a button or a swipe on your phone mm -hmm. and, and be tapped into all of this stuff. And, and it's, it's crazy, right? It's like, we're all really connected and we're all really separated at the same time. And, and I just think, I don't know, it's just very important for me to, to be consistently aware of mm -hmm. who I owe all of this to. Yeah. And, and to be consistently grateful and indebted and in homage. And, and, and then, you know, just in terms of musicianship and technique and all of that, I'm also just in awe and humbled all the time. You know, I yeah. cannot put on George Ben, Ben, I can't put on a George Benson record and, and just not have my jaw hit the floor, you know, <laughs> old recordings. So the music yeah. has a lot of things has happened since then. You know, I can't, I can't put on, uh, you know, the John Coltrane, Wayne Shorter. So now, Wayne Shorter to me is like kind of the jazz version of Stevie, mm -hmm. just in that those tunes are so crazy. They're written with such elegance and finesse and sophistication, yet put together in a way that they all resonate. Where That's very important for me as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. uh, to not let things get so abstract or noisy or crazy that... that you can't tap your toe to it or, or get down to it a little bit. I always feel like you have, you have the listener in mind when you're, uh, when you're pumping out material, like you're doing, I feel like you do it for yourself and to kind of scratch that itch and all, but also like you want people to groove to it and, you know, connect with it. Yeah. I mean, I think groove is very important, you know, and if it's not grooving all the time, it should at least be grooving most of the time. <laughs> Like, like, I don't know if there's a percentage, 80% or, or more of the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, writing music in that regard, you know, it, who do you write it for and what do you write it for? That's been an in, interesting question as I feel like my life and path. I'm trying at least to delve more into the professional songwriting and performing uh, realm of things. And... Mm. I don't see a problem necessarily with writing for an audience. You know, I think there's definitely like, this is going to hit, this is going to resonate. Mm -hmm. This is like, a, um, and you also want to write for yourself. And that one, that last one we did, if anyone wants to check out that six feet away video, yes, that feels like old news. COVID feels like old news in the wake of George Floyd, but yeah. I, I, it's not old news. And I have a feeling we're going to have a rude awakening on that regard in a couple of weeks. But like, that was a song where I was thinking, man, I want to write a song like super relatable and real simple. 
And then I was playing the guitar and I made a mistake and some chords popped out that were not supposed to be there. And I sort of liked it. And I had been listening to Stevie Wonder. I've been listening to, he's got some songs with some crazy turnarounds like, like Golden Lady and As, uh, and, 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 and I was like, well, man, I love Stevie. Not to say that I'm Stevie by any stretch, but, it, you know, I love Stevie. And if he's bold enough to go for it, mm. why shouldn't I go for it, mm -hmm. too? And so I left it in, and I think it's one of the most compelling components of the song now. But, you, you know, every song is different. Every moment is different. Uh, and too much of any one thing is usually not such a good thing, unless you're, like, real good at it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, relatability and inclusivity and representation is very important. And mm -hmm. I just really hope, you know, sometimes I get worried. This is something I've never talked about really, but I, I worry quite a bit about, okay, my love of black music is so strong. I don't want to be an appropriator per se. You know, I want to be a an appreciator and, a, uh, and to pay homage. Mm -hmm. I don't want to steal or, or cultural appropriation is the yeah. term, right? You know, where it's something that's not mine in terms of my culture and my history and my background. Uh, and that is a line that I think about towing a lot. And, and more often than not, I can say, man, if it feels good to me and it's in my spirit, I'm going to put it out there. Right. And I haven't gotten a lot of blatant pushback, but maybe people in their minds <laughs> or... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it's, I just want to be, I want to be appreciative and respectful. Mm -hmm. And also, I want to incorporate the, the best elements of the best music that touch me the most in my music to the best of my ability. And so what does that mean in a given moment? And it's fluid. It changes over time. Right. Well, if you think about, I think that's the nature of, of the craft and the art. I think it's like, we're, we're influenced by the people that came before us. And it's kind of, I think it's almost like impossible, you know, to not, especially the ones that resonate with you to take that and bring it into your music in some way, somehow to express what it is that you're trying to say. I think for, for at least for me, more like the cultural appropriation comes when, you know, like those rock bands in the seventies and ba bands that I love, but they like, you know, blatantly took songs and just copied them, you know, like Elvis, you know, taking like a uh, little Walter's, and just putting his name on it or, um, you know, Led Zeppelin taking songs like that, that were, you know, the doors taking songs that pretty, pretty much like carbon copies and kind of passing passing them on as their own, as opposed to. And then not paying anybody for it. A hundred percent. Well, that, that's a big part that, of the problem too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Cause that, yeah, if you're going to, you know, give credit and give compensation, you know, it's. It'd be nice to ask first too, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's just, I think, I think that's, that's what would be more appropriating something else as opposed to what you're talking about, you know, is using that to kind of find your voice and your way to express yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fluid and it's different. Yeah. It's different yeah. for different people and different songs and different situations uh, in different moments. It's tricky, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is tricky. I mean, it's not like... Yeah, there's no, there's no concrete answer and there's no right or wrong. And, you know, I'm sure I haven't gotten it right all the time. I'm very sure, you know, this was one of the things you, you find uh, as a person of privilege in this culture. Often you don't know what you don't know. Mm until you something comes out the wrong way or you do something the wrong way or someone has to wake you up, mm -hmm. you know? I wrote a whole song about that. Not necessarily saying that I know what's going on, but, uh, you know, my eyes are constantly being open to new things all the time. And I do my best to be open to that and willing to open my eyes to those things when those situations come. So, you know, yeah. I, I definitely, I don't want to pull any punches artistically. You know, mm -hmm. I want to do my thing. 
Uh, I also want to include, you know, our band is very sort of eclectic in terms of the people who play in it, in terms of uh, uh, ethnicity and race, age, gender, identification, uh, Style. sexuality. Styles, too. Yeah, yeah, especially when we get the subs, and it could be a big old mix. Yeah. And, and, I mean, that's kind of like my, my brand or our brand, as it were. It's, it's one of my favorite things and I think like the calling card of our group. But I want to give voice to all these different voices that are in there. I think that's one of the greatest things about music in general mm -hmm. and also one of the greatest potentials that music has that is often unrealized because because of race or age or gender identification or style whatever that means uh we tend to have ourselves in little pockets and not be willing to cross pollinate and feed off of each other and build off of each other so um yeah but needless to say that is is something i just strive to be aware about the the reality of cultural appropriation and how do i do what i'm going to do and pay homage to the 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 influences are the most important for me and the music that i've absorbed and is going to come out how do i let that come out in a free way while still being appreciative and respectful and it's an ongoing process like i said i don't think that there's a a, a fundamentally right way or a fundamentally wrong way uh you know and if i get it wrong let me know and i'll try and do better you know it, it's yeah i mean it's such a like you said, there's no clear cut line to it. And, and I think that's like reflected like the miscommunication that we're seeing outside in the world that there is no, obviously no straight division between, you know, it's not black and white, you know what I mean? And it's, there's so much gray area when it comes to <clears throat> race and it, it's just, it's so tricky to pinpoint, you know, like the one the one problem or, or the, the one issue, you know, especially when you have numerous people looking at it from different sides, from their perspective, from their experience, you know, it's just like. Yeah. Super complicated situations. And, you know, on a side note, I think the same thing can be said about like gender in music too. Mm. You know, like there is, is so much of a boys club so much of the time and it's like why yeah. you know and and like clearly uh ladies are just as capable of of if, if not more so <laughs> well well said yes yes yeah. indeed but you know of everything from from uh, you know chops and songwriting to uh uh band leadership and management and you know all the facets of the music industry really And like, just why isn't it more equitable and what can we do to get there? Right. You know? Yeah, I think about, remember when Nandi first played with us and she ripped that Aretha Franklin, remember that song that we did? And like, we I don't think- that it, song a couple times. They, and I remember, I don't think I made the rehearsal because I think on stage is the first time I heard her like rip it. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I hope, I hope she doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> she just brought something else to the table absolutely like a missing ingredient you know to the whole thing absolutely well nandi k check her out for anyone yeah, who's for listening sure. or watching uh n-a-n-d-i space k-a-y-y-y i believe there's three of them uh <laughs> but she's got nandi has their own music and uh some stuff with soul glow uh our project and and other side projects and things going on it's all pretty stellar Nandi has an incredible voice too, uh, musical voice, but also, you know, political voice. Um, yeah, great additions. But that's one of the fun things about our band too, is like, I feel like anytime someone new comes in the, Nick, uh, in the mix, uh, you know, we did that gig hit with Sydney. You know, Sydney's so busy playing, he can barely make it. But Sydney <laughs> Driver came and uh, Cyberactive Sid on Instagram, check him out. He's my man. Uh, so proud of you. So proud of what he's doing uh, musically and politically. But like the vibe is really good, but it's a little different. When Fabio, Fabio Rojas, I got to sh shout out everybody. The, yeah. the list of players in the band is too long to shout out everybody. Yeah, we have a um, pool, pool uh, 
of players to draw from now in the band. Mm -hmm. But every time these folks come in, you know, it changes up the, the stew a little bit and the, the, the spices uh, get shifted around and remixed and, and present themselves in, in new ways. Even with the regular guys, I feel yeah. like the, the music can be very different from night to night. And that's very exciting. It's, cra it's crazy how that happens, how we play, you know, relatively the same songs. Maybe you wrote a new one or two and they get in, or we do a new cover and it gets thrown into the mix. But like the bulk of the set is, this, is the same songs. And like you said, every time it's, it, gets a, it gets a little bit different, you throw, you change somebody, especially like the drummer. You know, every time there's a, there's a new drummer, it's just like, what's going to happen with this mm -hmm. one today? You know, and it's. That's, that's the heartbeat, man. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got some great drummers in the mix. Yes. Yes. Can I shout yes, out Mark Bell. He's like the number one guy. Thank you. On the yeah. regular. Yeah, thankfully. But all <laughs> these drummers, good drummers tend to be very busy. So we got to switch it up sometimes. Yeah, they're, a, they're all busy. I ain't unfortunate. Unfortunately, I ain't paying that much just yet. But, <laughs> but just you wait, guys. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Yeah, I believe. Definitely. Most definitely. Can we, can we talk about uh, Groove a little bit? and in rhythm and kind of from from my perspective there has always been an x factor that's hard to quantify especially playing with you and the music that you like and you introducing me to that to that genre like r&b and soul and funk mm -hmm. and to me it seems that playing the part correctly it's like you know it's that's not that's just like your starting point there seems to me that there is like i can't you know only say it as like an x factor like that feel or that groove that goes on top that is what all these players bring you know like mark and akos and yourself and nandi it's that they're not just it's not just these parts coming together and we're all just playing the, the song as it's as it was intended it was just they it's this extra aspect to it like how how would you yeah. describe and if possible don't, that? don't forget oh, um, amir forget and jacqueline yes. uh you know those sort of the other two we got, if we got at least to shout out all the core yeah definitely you know groove is is probably the most important aspect of music i think it's the thing that you feel in your guts the most it's the thing that makes you want to dance Harmony's great lyrics are great melody is great uh, vocal harmony is great. Instrumentation is great. You know, groove is 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 the one thing. If you got a solid groove with no notes and no words and no chords, but you know, just whatever some sounds that's really ha hip and happening, that's like that's it. And all good music has it. You know, when you go to the symphony and you see a a, a, a Mahler symphony or a Beethoven symphony or something. There is a groove. There's a specific type of groove. Now, classical musicians kind of specialize in one or a couple different types of groove, right? But there's also, I think it's interesting, instruments like the trumpet or the double bass that have an overlap between the classical and the jazz world. Mm. The practitioners on those instruments, I'm not saying all the time, but very often are able to kind of, you would call it code switching, right? It's like, if music is the language, there's like two very distinct dialects of that language. And, and bass players and trumpet players or trombone players, because of the work that's available to them and the canon of music that's available on their instrument, I was my hypothesis, um, are able more often than than say a violinist or a uh, uh, a cellist or a um, oboe player to m move between these different styles and moving between those different styles really means moving between grooves more than anything it's it's about being able to embody different types of feel and what's cool is every like culture in the world like, you know, in Mexican music, there's a certain take on groove and mm -hmm. feel. Uh, in all of the Caribbean islands and in all of the Latin American countries, that, you know, from the tango to the samba to, uh, you know, voodoo 
stuff from Haiti and Afro-Cuban stuff from Cuba and Puerto Rico, there's a different lilt, right? And maybe some of those di those uh, dialects are more similar to one another than others, but they all have their own special flavor. And generally, I feel like that comes with how they slice up the beat, you know, mm. and how and how the, the rhythm is embodied. And learning any one of those things uh, to a really high level can be uh, a lifetime's worth of study in immersion and work, right? However, just I think a lot like language, when you grow up with something, you can speak that language. And you can, I don't know if you feel this as a Mexican, a Mexican-American, but... Uh, like a certain proclivity towards cumbia or banda or other Latin, Mexican, particularly Mexican grooves. Is, uh, is any, that true? Any, anytime I hear that, you know, that cumbia go, it's like in my bones, bro. It's like my soul, yeah. like it's, I'm just dancing inside, you know, it's just like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's exactly like you said, like I grew, it was what was played, you know, and that and, in like the my grandfather's music like you know those mexican ballads like they you know yeah it's like you said it's a it's a groove in a in a sound you know mm -hmm. and who knows there may even be a bit of nature some of it may pass down in the dna uh i believe it's probably more nurture than nature but who you know who knows i'm no geneticist <laughs> i'm just just a humble guitar player. but i know when i go to church and that room is a small church, it's 50 people, 60 people. There's a ton of babies. And we play very, very specific type of grooving music. I do my best to keep up. But, you know, Pastor and Sydney and Amir are right in that pocket. Oh, man. <laughs> holding down this groove. You know Pastor Travis Haynes, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his, his, his feel is, is out to lunch. But you have babies in there absorbing this for two hours at a stretch at least once a week, you know, and that's just in the context of the church service. Who knows what else is happening at home and right. uh, other types of uh, praise or music absorption, you know, so like a, 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 these kids are growing up with this music in their bones. So I definitely think, you know, there's these sort of tropes, you know, the white folks not being able to clap on beat or not being able to dance. <laughs> I do my best to clap on beat. The dancing is, uh, frankly, beyond me. I'm the quintessential white boy in so many ways. But I feel it, you know, when I record, I'm all this groove music that I'm trying to sit, and I got this, like, white boy angst, and I'm always, like, a little bit ahead of the beat, and it's like I'm not sitting in the pocket quite right. Uh, what are you going to do about it? I acknowledge it. I work on it. Yeah. Uh, because by immersing yourself in a culture and with respect and admiration and really working, you can get it. And, you, and that can be, I think, for any dialect of the musical language. Um, it is definitely, you know, whatever style of music you're talking about, I think it's going to be easier uh, for someone who grew up in that culture and grew up with those sounds to absorb, interpret, and release things with the appropriate feel. But yeah, I mean, groove, groove is huge and, and in between grooves, you know, and, and yeah, I, I think a lot of it, I watch a lot of those Jacob Collier master classes and oh, stuff. He's, yeah. he's, he's the best and his interpretation of groove and explanations of groove are really fascinating. But this fact, you have a pulse going by, it's temporal and between this beat and this beat, it's not like you cut it directly in half, which is what the classical musicians tend right. to do. It's a spectrum and you can put the beats anywhere. And then, so you listen to like, you know, D'Angelo records or Jay Dilla records. There's, it's sort of like the, the contemporary extreme, but you find it in, in music all, all over the world, uh, you know, from Africa and Morocco and uh, different rhythmic lilts and expressions. But Jay Dilla is just the king. It's like, where even is the beat? And some of that music is not so ingrained in me. You know, I don't know if I could do a really good job with that. So while I work, you know, I try and stay in my lane. And I also try and work on it. And when I feel the urge to try, you know, I just try and experiment and grow. But it's deep, you know. And, and having that uh, 
having a really deep ingrained pulse is super important. And that's something that I work on myself mm. uh, and, and I hope to achieve at a much higher level the more I learn, right? Because if that pulse is super ingrained, if it's like an unstoppable force, right? The, the fundamental beat, then you can do whatever you want with the space mm -hmm. in between. You can mm -hmm. rush, you can lag, you can swing, you can be super straight, you can lilt, you, can, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and I also think the, the, a lot of the discussions of groove I, I've seen, like even Jacob Collier, although I can't talk smack about Jacob Collier because the proof is in the pudding. And when he does implements these ideas, uh, it comes out feeling and sounding amazing. Uh, but some of it, I do think you can run the risk, especially if you're trying to learn, of over-intellectualizing. Uh, because you can think about it till the cows come home. If you don't feel it, then it's not really worth anything. It's going right. to come out saying, you know, we're not machines and computers. It's going to come out feeling a little sterile and a little clinical. But sometimes, for me at least, when something is complicated, yeah, I need to break it down and think about it. Be like, what, what is this going on? Sometimes it helps to see it on paper versus just listening. But it always, it's always to lead back to, you know, playing it and feeling it. Yeah, I mean, eventually you got to get it. To play it well, I think you do have to get it in your bones. And mm -hmm. then it can be a process. Um, it can be a long, it's really a lifelong process, you know. And it's not like it ever ends. You can always push the boundaries and try new things and bend things different ways. Um, yeah, it's tough. But I think one of those things, if you get like a super simple, like, like a kick drum or a metronome or something with just an undeniable pulse and try and play along with that and make it groove. There's some great videos of Herbie Hancock playing along with the metronome. Mm -hmm. And he makes the metronome swing. You know, his feel is so implacable. Uh, it, it's, it's just it, it, undeniable. And, and, and it makes the metronome sound like it's a, a, a percussion section. Uh, the groove is so deep. You know, so that's, that's something that is, is very hard to do uh, for a lot of us anyway, but definitely. Definitely, it's a, it's, a, it's a fight worth fighting because uh, it's fun and humbling and exciting and it definitely uh, opens up the doors, I think, to a wide breadth of appreciation for all different kinds of grooves and music and all, just, it's all this richness that the world has, the people of the world have to offer, you know? Yeah, 100%. Cool, man. Wow, this was, this was great. Um... If people you can wanna... edit out some of the longer parts, man, <laughs> I, know oh, no, I have a, a tendency to go on and on. It's all, no, that's what this is for. You know, um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to leave it all in, dude. It was, I think uh, it was really good. Yeah. And that's, always... exact, it, that's what it's for. You know, it's like, a, you know, longer format. So you can kind of dive into it a little, a little deeper, you know, and, and, um, you know, I'm a, I know I always learn from listening. I think it's a good, good shot to give other people a chance to learn. You know, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's always so much fun talking and working out on this stuff with you. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, to a certain degree, I think it's important. You know, there's cultural uh, components that are very, very important. Uh, you know, that as young, you know, I'm not a young musician, I'm like an old, old ass man now, but, <laughs> you know. Young, young uh, at heart, young at heart. But young at heart. And for younger generations of musicians, especially musicians who are, uh, non-black people of color, perhaps, but and especially you know white, uh, to just cultivate an appreciation for where the music is coming from. Mm -hmm. R really, you know, just give give props because it's super it's super important, and I think it's easy to forget. Um, yes. but then it's just fun to talk about this stuff, and don't you know? I always make new connections. And, yeah. and, and it's fun to get your insights on things and, and just rap about it, you know? Yeah, no, most definitely. It's, uh, I feel like sometimes just talking through ideas, you know, I've always having these conversations in my head about music and thoughts and things. And then you talk, you know, discuss them with someone out loud and, you know, you could, you, you learn by kind of working it out and kind of bouncing it off somebody else and seeing, you know, just what, 
what the feedback is on, on those kind of ideas. You know, I feel like it, it helps for, for learning purposes, you know, for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Getting different perspectives, uh, especially from people you respect, you know, it is uh, super valuable. You know, yeah. like I do those snarky puppy ones all the time. My man, Zach Brock, you know, those Jacob Collier tutorials, you know, yeah. they can, like, can be life changing. Herbie, yeah. all this. Anytime you can listen to, to someone speak, especially someone that you really uh, admire or someone who is versed in their art, you know, and I feel like I am not nearly as versed as, you know, a Mark Lettieri or a, uh, a Corey Henry, you know. Now I feel like I'm not even close, but you, you know, these voices are important and voices of your peers and compatriots too, you know, talking with you. There's some things that maybe we never even talked about before and, That's and the true. things that are fun to talk about and should be talked about. Definitely. Um, we do one with the whole band sometime. Dude, that would be a lot of fun. The, the soul glow, soul glow mm -hmm. cast. Yeah. That'd be, that's a great idea actually. Um, if people want to find you, your music and your services, where can they go? I believe at this point in time, it is, I'm not, I'm not a social media guy. I believe Mike B and Soul Glow. So M-I-K-E-B-A-N-D-S-O-U-L-G-L-O. -O. Soul yes. Glow, like coming to America, Soul Glow. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, I think, so Instagram, Facebook, uh, and my website are all Mike B and Soul Glow. So that's a great way to get in touch. Uh, you can search for us on YouTube and stuff. We don't have our own channel yet, unfortunately, someday. I don't do Twitter that often. I think it's Mike BNYC uh, on Twitter, but that's not a good platform for me. <laughs> no offense to the Twitter users. I know, I know some folks really rely on it and love it. But, but yeah, Mike B and Soul Glow. Hit us up. Please follow us everywhere. Listen to the music. All we want, all I really want out of this life is to be able to share my music with people. So if you haven't heard it, you know, take a few minutes, give some feedback, you know, especially positive feedback, but any kind of feedback is great and share it with your people and engage. And, uh, yeah, it would be really great to build the stuff out. Awesome, bro. Well, thanks so much, man. Isaac, I love you, man. Thank you. Love you too, brother. Thank you for listening. If you're watching, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you want to watch the podcast, it's in my YouTube channel, Isaac Hernandez. And if you're just listening, please consider giving us a review or following the podcast, wherever it is that you're listening. And until next time, thank you.